Today's podcast is brought to you by Weather Optics. See weather differently. Find them on Twitter at Weather Optics or online at weatheroptics.net. Let's go. I was born in Welcome back to A Man in a Van. This is episode four. I'm your host, Josh Brooker. It is August 2nd, and I am currently in a hotel room with my dad in Rapid City. If you notice a little background noise, there's a huge motorcycle convention, so it's real loud here. Um, in the past week, we've gone from Seattle to Flathead Lake, Montana, a little town called Big Fork, which was unbelievable. From there, we drove to Billings, Montana, and now we're here. So we've done probably 800 miles of driving in the last three days. Today's interview is with a man named Riley Starks, who founded the Willows Inn in Lummy Island, Washington, which is now known as a top five restaurant in America. A few years back, he sold it and now lives on his plot of land. What Riley's doing is really cool. He farms all of his own vegetables. He breeds his own chickens and... He has a nonprofit committed to categorizing seafood that comes from the area so as to preserve its quality and its integrity. Um, we spoke sustainability, we spoke good farming practices, and a lot more. I hope you guys enjoy. Here's Riley. I am here on Lumi Island, Washington. <laughs> I am here on Lummy Island with Riley Starks, who I don't even know how I would describe him. He's kind of a renaissance man with how many things he's got going on right now. Um, how you doing today? Good. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, I kind of want to know, uh, you've been out here for a while, but what attracted you to Lummy Island and what made you want to stay? Uh, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a story. The uh, So I've... I was uh, fishing. I've been a commercial fisherman all my life. Mm -hmm. And in the wintertime, uh, I built some houses. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do besides fish. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was 20 acres for sale out on Lummy Island. I was living in Bellingham. And so I came out with a realtor friend with the idea of buying the 20 acres, subdividing it, and then selling it. Mm -hmm. And just making money, basically. And... Uh, and I got out here, and we had to kind of bushwhack our way out here. There wasn't a road. You were one of the first out here, right? Uh, in this part, yeah. yeah so this, this this forty acre piece up here. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was it was kind of an amazing place, and it was uh, full of nettles <laughs> when we finally found it. And so uh, that's what I called it. I called it uh, uh, nettles, mm -hmm. and. Um, and so I started, I had a backhoe and a bulldozer at the time. So I brought them over and I started doing the uh, ditches for the power line and the water lines. And, um, and it was in May of, uh, I think it was in 91 or 92. And uh, I was digging and it was warm and sunny. And uh, the, uh, I was right in the middle of some salmon berries and thimble berries and uh, all of a sudden, it, it was like intoxicating. I mean, you know, the soil 
came up in the in the bucket of the backhoe and it just smelled so good and then the berries smelled so good and i i just had this weird epiphany that uh, it was reminded me exactly of what i smelled and saw when i was six years old um 60 miles south of here mm-hmm. um and i was like okay <laughs> i gotta live here yeah i'm not leaving this place i mean t- if you take one look um even from the ferry at your surroundings it's incredible i mean it's it's unlike any other place i've ever been for sure um so rumor has it according to the internet you bought your first boat in 1973 that's right how did uh that come to be uh so i graduated from uh western Mm -hmm. here in bellingham in political science and i um got accepted into University of Oregon Law School. Great. And so I was uh, uh, paused uh, to earn some money to go to law school. And uh, the first job I got was uh, deckhanding for a friend of mine uh, out here, out of Blaine, uh, crab fishing. And I had never been on a boat. <laughs> I had never fished ever in my life. And uh, and it was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... I just didn't know that there was such a thing. And um, I, as soon as I was done working with him, I sold everything I owned and I bought a boat. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And I fished ever since. So I think that's a good natural transition into what you're doing with the nonprofit because I think you sort of got this love and appreciation for the seafood off the coast of Washington, I would assume then, yeah? yeah, that's that's right. I started eating salmon. Mm-hmm. I was fishing salmon, eating crab. Um, and I really have to say I hadn't eaten much mm-hmm. uh, seafood before. Um, and so gradually as I fished uh, different fisheries, I, you know, as you do in a career, you kind of build up. And I, ended up, I had five fisheries going at one time and um, went all over. And, and uh, when I bought the property here on Lummi Island, there was a... Uh, a unique fishery called reef net fishing mm-hmm. uh, that exists only here and uh, to be part of the community I bought one of the gears somebody was selling and um, um, and that's when I started reef netting and realizing that there there's a different way uh, than the other fishery types that I had done in the past mm-hmm. and and this was a better way it's deeply rooted here too right it is. It was created by the uh, the Coast Salish people uh, right here off of Lego Bay. I'm I'm guessing uh, several thousand years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, do you think you could explain to my audience who certainly would not know what an AOC is, what it is, and why it's important to not only here but the future of all American fishing and produce and cattle production? Yeah. So in, in Europe, uh, the an AOC is a uh, it's an appellation d'origine contrôlée, mm-hmm. so it's a controlled uh, name place, place name, and they also have AOP protected. Um, and in this country, I don't know if we have a, if we actually have that. Um, uh, there are, uh, like in the Willamette Valley and in Walla Walla, there are uh, protected. Uh, uh, wine zones, yeah, um, and and that's basically what this is. Uh, I know for the Walla Walla onion, for instance, you can't um, call it a Walla Walla onion unless it's grown 
in Walla Walla, even mm-hmm. though it's a sweet uh, yellow onion. Yeah. Um, but what 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 I'm doing with my nonprofit, which is called the Sailor Center for Sustainable Fishing Methods, is uh, is creating a, a a medallion that says Sailor Sea Certified, and we're putting that medallion on on everything that's harvested here in the Sailor Sea, in these waters, which is different from the coast of Washington and different from Alaska. And the reason we're doing it is because uh, at this, right now, people do not know where their seafood comes from. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're not allowed to know because in the stores, uh, the processors and distributors don't really, they don't want to uh, differentiate. They want it to be a salmon, you know, sockeye salmon can come from anywhere and it's a sockeye salmon. A halibut can come from anywhere and it's a halibut. But the fact is, you know, just like terroir uh, on the farm, we have merroir here, mm-hmm. and uh, things taste different, you know, based on on where they where they're going and where they're coming from. And uh, we can say without a doubt that that the uh, anything harvested here in the Salish Sea is going to taste different. I think better, mm-hmm. but different. Uh, than uh, that harvested from somewhere else. And I think that uh, consumers deserve the right to make an informed choice about what it is they're buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I know that in countries like France, Italy, and Spain, things like the denominations are controlled by the federal government and are really strictly enforced internationally. Like with champagne, you can only call it champagne if it's grown in champagne with the method champenois and there are companies in california that try and get around it by saying california champagne and stuff like that but do you see a future where the u.s sort of implements a system like that where we know exactly where our stuff is coming from and the quality of it yeah i do i i think that people are are drilling down more and more into their food Mm -hmm. um you know it started with wine uh coffee chocolate um, people are very specific about the origins because they can taste uh, the difference in those mm. things. And, uh, and now we're starting to understand uh, with our seafood. Um, and I think uh, w- one of the reasons that I'm passionate about this is because if we don't know what comes out of the Sailor Sea, we won't care. Uh, whether it's protected or not, mm-hmm. um, because we don't have a vested interest. But if we, if we go into the grocery store and we buy a Sailor Sea halibut and we just think it's the best halibut in the world, then we're we're really uh, invested in making sure that that uh, that halibut fishery continues. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, I know personally several people who have given up on the Sailor Sea because they say well we've got Alaska you know you can there's Alaska is pristine and and they're not having the problems that we're having down here but the fact is is that our ecosystem depends on our, uh, our seafood populations being healthy uh, just as much as Alaska does mm-hmm. and we can't afford to give up on those yeah plus the same way people in Alaska should be eating Alaskan seafood people in Washington should be eating seafood from the coast of Washington. I feel the same way. Back home in New York, I should be eating seafood from right off the coast of Long Island or wherever it may be. Um, So yeah, I think that's a a great concept. Um, One thing I've asked everyone, um, where do you see yourself five to ten years from now? Obviously, I know you'll be here on the island, (laughs) but 
personally and with what you're doing with the nonprofit, where would you want to be? Well, I'm 69. Uh-huh. So uh, when, when you say, where will I be in, in five to 10 years, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'll be upright. <laughs> There's no guarantee about that. Um, but with the nonprofit, my, my goal is to, um, is to be able to uh, just do uh, nonprofit work mm-hmm. um, all year round. Yeah. So I'm the executive director of, of the nonprofit. And uh, you know, I have my little B&B and my little farm. Um, and so those three things would, would be enough, all on island. So I don't have to leave the island if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect, I really do expect to see our Sailor Sea uh, certified medallion all over grocery stores. Sorry to interrupt this interview, guys, but Riley's dog started barking uncontrollably. So we had to take a quick break. But here he is. So one thing we talked about yesterday was the fact that a lot of this amazing seafood coming from here is being shipped off to Asia. Um, Why is that and how do we stop it? How do we get American chefs in the area to start appreciating the product? Uh, The reason that it's being um, exported um, to Asia is because the Asians recognize that it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this crab, this Dungeness crab here is, they call it black crab, mm-hmm. and it's the most highly prized uh, Dungeness crab that, that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, not just that, but the salmon. You know, when I started, uh, basically, uh, you could never buy a reef net uh, a sockeye or salmon um, because... Uh, uh, they, all of them went to Japan because mm-hmm. they re- recognized the quality was that good. Um, so we've we've made headway. Lemme Island Wild. I started that company, and um, and we've made headway with our reef net. Um, but the other uh, seafood from the Sailor Sea has not been uh, it hasn't uh, been discriminated. It hasn't. Uh, had its own label or anything so people don't know where a halibut comes from or a salmon comes from whether it comes from alaska or the coast or or here and so i think that kind of awareness that that educational component of it will will gradually um uh, get our chefs and and uh not just chefs but i'm i'm thinking about the uh tech workers in seattle you know if they know that that the the uh, certain seafood comes from the Sailor Sea, then they are going to want to help protect the Sailor Sea. And that's really the name of the game. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, we want to protect this for the future because we want to be eating this amazing seafood into the future. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed about this area and even in Oregon and Northern California is you guys are the ones making the headway. You guys are the ones who are doing things right and are starting to revert back to good farming practices so i want to know what's your message to the east coast metropolitan who eats most of their meal for sustenance you know like how do we get them to care about what's going on here well um going on here that's a good point so the the east coast uh had a chance to to keep its salmon runs going Mm -hmm. and uh, they knew for many many years uh, that the practices that they were uh, engaging in were were harmful to salmon and uh, and they just turned a blind eye to it and now there there's no wild Atlantic salmon anymore 
So that that's a tragedy all by itself. Mm-hmm. But we're at a place here on the West Coast where we we don't we can change that. That that doesn't have to happen to us. It's beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. But if we can engage uh, the public and and even the East Coast public who who should be mourning mm-hmm. what what their predecessors did uh, to their ecosystem, um, if we could get buy-in from from young people uh, to care about. Uh, uh, these fish mm-hmm. by eating them, yeah. <laughs> because that's that's the best way to to uh, you know to appreciate uh, the, uh, the this uh, seafood here. Yeah, and then not only just the fish, but you have amazing chickens here. You have amazing produce. You have amazing fruit. Like it'd be great to extend these farming practices to every corner of the country. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the, the, my my theory is you you should be wherever you go you should be eating something different so you you shouldn't be having the same experience all over the country Mm -hmm. you know that's that's why go anywhere yeah so this is about eating from your landscape and when you eat from your landscape it tastes different Mm -hmm. wherever you go so that's an exciting thing you know go down to uh uh, the Willamette Valley, and you're going to have an entirely different experience than you have right here on Lummi Island. Yeah, and and that's that's makes life worth living. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think that developing unique food cultures is what's going to be the future for us. I mean, if we could sort of replicate what they've got going on in Europe, I think that'd be great. Well, you know, I always said as soon as Starbucks started up, uh, and I remember when it happened because I've always been a coffee nut mm-hmm. and uh, uh, when I uh, used to drive down to San Francisco there were only uh, two places where I could get coffee and I would drive all night so I'd go to, to Ashland uh, Oregon and then I, I had a coffee shop in San Francisco when I got there mm-hmm. but but um, that you know I always would say to look to the motherland because they you know they've been doing this for thousands of years and they've got to, got it figured out that every you know little village uh has its own landscape which produces different food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully going forward that's where we see our food culture shifting. Um I want to thank you so much for having me and showing me around. I had a great time on the island and I'll be sure to be back someday. I had a great time here. Well, good. I, I think you're doing a, a really great job, Josh, on this uh, trek of yours. And it's, uh, it, it, I know you're going to learn a lot. I hope so. Thank you, man. Yep. All righty. All right, guys. That was Riley Starks. I hope you enjoy. Check out his nonprofit at LummyIslandWild.com. Uh, coming on Monday's episode, we have Alana McGee, who is one of the first people in the U.S. to discover truffle here, and she took me around with her dogs for a couple hours to do some truffle hunting, and we sat down and talked the business a little bit. Hope you enjoy. Alrighty, I'll see you guys on Monday.
Please. 